All right, hey everybody, this is Steve Perkins and I am here with Tommy Thompson, former co-host of the Greenhouse Podcast and now leading host of his new podcast called Renovations. You got me started on something big. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like kind of holding back a big grin saying that because it's just fun. Leading host of the brand new Smashing Podcast, topping all the charts, Renovations. That's right. I know we'll have at least one listener. (laughs) (laughs) actually uh i'm not interested so i guess you're back to zero oh oh well (laughs) (laughs) but uh we're really excited to be back together with you both and talking about all things personal growth and development as well as just we want to share some thoughts we both had and talked about related to the current coronavirus pandemic and everything that's happening as a result and try to add some perspective to that, but also, yeah, just be realistic about how it's affecting a lot of people in different ways. And so if you've been missing me and Tommy's episodes together, like we said, we're going to do this about once a month, but Tommy has been off the grid a bit lately because you've been writing your first book. Yeah, that has been quite a, quite a ride, quite a journey and much more consuming than I would have ever imagined. But I've I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and we're, you know, looking for a launch this fall. And that's just so incredibly exciting to me and terrifying at the same time. So, uh, yeah, I've been working hard. Uh, yeah. Down in my man cave basement where I've got my desk and working on all the writing. And, uh, and then, of course, starting to launch this new podcast, too. Yeah, so we'll keep all of you updated. You can expect within the next month or two, I think, your podcasts coming on live and we'll let people know. And then your book is slated to come out later this year. Are those two things still accurate? Or <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so hopefully the uh, first episode, this might be the first episode or might have one before it, will come out in April for the podcast and then the book space to breathe again is slated for september right now well that's exciting and i've been texting tommy lately his book is uh very timely i don't know if he knew something before we all did but making space to breathe again and the concepts around that is kind of what we want to talk a little bit about today but it's very much relevant for this current season of being on lockdown quarantine you know, not going into work, working from home, all kinds of different scenarios people are facing. So we just wanted to share a few of our thoughts around that with the realization that everyone's in a unique position right now. But I think there are some there are some lessons or some perspectives that we found helpful and wanted to share with you all. Yeah, that's that's great. I've talked to quite a few people, I guess, friends and people that I do coaching with. And what struck me is the massive range of how people are experiencing this. I mean, there there are a few who've experienced it as a little bit of a, a respite, uh, kind of a, a slower pace, but probably the more ordinary response is that it seemed to even overload the schedule and everything going on more than ever. It's created more angst, more anxiety, more stress, than was present even before this for different reasons for different people. So yeah, it's, it's kind of all over the board how, how this is affecting people. And 
even affecting me and you as, as we've talked a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's a good time to just make sure we're being aware of how we are responding to it and the things that are happening in us as a result. And that awareness can lead to hopefully some good things in light of all the negative going on. So we wanted to talk about three different angles. Like you said, Tommy, you've been talking and writing about these as well. The three things being resisting fear, slowing down, and reframing what's going on. And so I think let's just kind of dive in and, and talk about each one. And for anyone listening, you know, we'd be glad to hear other thoughts or anything that you've been wrestling with or, or thinking about. Be happy to hear from you about that. So this first one about resisting fear, what, what have you been thinking about this lately, Tommy? Well, I've been thinking on uh, a couple of fronts. I think when we think about fear, we think about fear largely as an emotion. And I think so many of us are wired to think, well, we can't do anything about our emotions. If we're afraid, we're afraid. What, what are we supposed to do about that? So don't tell me to resist fear. I don't know how to. But we don't realize that, at least to a certain extent, we have choices around resisting fear, that we can choose a little bit of what we feel and, and our emotions. We can at least control it to a certain degree. We can make some steps towards that end. If we realize that we're stressed, if we realize that we're anxious, we can choose to do some things. For instance, a lot of times when I find that I can just tell that I'm tense and, and uptight, sometimes I'll just stop and pause for a moment and take a couple of deep breaths. And that's a choice. That's a choice to resist that. And that choice actually begins to make a difference or with regards to the stress. Or I might stop and pause and go, so let me identify exactly what am I stressed about? And just that conscious going through the process is a way of resisting fear. So we have more control or more choice related to fear than we think. We don't just have to give in to the emotion. So to me, to say resist fear is a choice that we can make. We may not be 100% successful. We may not be able to cast it out totally. But if we could lessen it by 50% or 75%, that would make a, a big difference. Yeah, I agree. There's, there's a difference between ignoring it, acting like it's not there and trying to suppress it, which I think would typically be a bad choice versus just acknowledging it and, and not letting it control you, but choosing to kind of flip that. And I actually was thinking of an example related to what you said, where my wife Ashley yesterday was just journaling out some of those fears and anxieties and just writing them down. And by getting them out on paper like that really did a lot to just kind of name them and say, okay, these don't have to control me. Yes, they're there. And so I'm acknowledging that, but I'm going to choose to realize that is not my identity, those fears. Well, that's a great example of a proactive way of resisting fear, journaling it. The other thing that I've noticed is that some people kind of unwittingly feed the fear. Mm. So that's kind of the opposite. Instead of resisting it, they they begin to take on actions that 
accelerate the fear. So one of the things that's so tempting and so ever present with us now is the media. So, yeah. so, you know, if you're one that can't resist getting off your phone and feeding this fear with whether it's Twitter or different news lines or you're watching the news all the time or you're watching the markets all the time, in essence, what you're doing is you're feeding the fear. And right. it it's not this is a huge crisis. So it's not that we need to just completely detach from all media, but now probably more than any time, we need to set some control, set some boundaries and say, okay, I want to be informed. In order to be informed, I need to do this, but no more than this. So the resisting of the fear goes both with some proactive steps to get away from it, as well as the choice not to do things that would feed it. That's right. Yeah. And sometimes that can be as simple as choosing what time of the day you consume that media, right? You might oh, be right. a, it might be for you a great idea to check some news in the morning and not watch it at night. <laughs> or maybe it's the reverse for some people, but you kind of, if you think about it, you know when would be wise time to take that in and when would be times that that just wouldn't be helpful. It can be as simple as that sometimes. Well, and and we need to realize that news is set up to be addictive. It's set up to try to draw us in and to make us feel like we can't get away from it responsibly, or if we get away from it, we're going to miss something that's crucial. So we have to push against that and say, you know, we'll be okay if we go a few hours or most of a day and don't tune in, so to speak. So it's very individual, but it's it's realizing that the news in and of itself is part of what's creating the fear. Right. I, I think that's a very important point because you're right. The entire system of our news media and this isn't to say anyone's good or bad in this, but the system itself is set up to use fear as one of those attention-grabbing mechanisms and those addictive mechanisms, like you said. And so, for example, something I've been thinking about a lot this week is I want to be really careful not to diminish the really intense effect this is having in some people's lives. But if you think about the news outlets and the globalization that exists now, you can get updates from anywhere in the world instantly. The news is going to grab the top five worst possible scenarios or circumstances in the world and give those all to you in one packed minute of news. And so you're literally getting a summary of all the worst scenarios all in one. And that can create the mindset that you have around what's going on. and. I think it's just good to be aware of that. I found for myself, it's just helpful to even be aware of the fact that if I watch a few minutes of news, I'm going to get the worst blips, if you will, of what's going on all packed together. And meanwhile, there's a whole variety of scenarios going on in the world. Well, of course, and, and this is not just a health threat, but it's a financial threat. It's a political upheaval. It hits on all of those fronts. And I think it's the very fact that it is real and that these threats do affect us 
that causes us to have to be that much more vigilant in keeping control over this. Yeah, and I think it's good. And, you know, on the positive side of that, if we can keep that a bit under control and keep our mindset in a healthy place, that allows us to help more with those who really are struggling as a result of all this and helping ourselves and our families. So that's a great point of resisting fear, putting some controls on our media consumption, and just having a lot of awareness around that. And I'd just add one last thought that our demeanor, the spirit that we go through these days affects other people. So we're often in tight quarters these days with our families. And if we're anxious, if we're very stressed out and nervous, it feeds the rest of the family those same things. So we can be a force for positive or down a negative track, depending on our effectiveness at resisting the fear. All right. So the first thought was around resisting fear. And the second one is around slowing down. And like I mentioned, you've been kind of soaking in this topic for a while because of your book. But I think right now, a lot of us are being forced to slow down in different ways. Like you mentioned at the top, some people, it feels like the opposite. But what are some of your thoughts around slowing down right now as a response to everything going on? You know, it's funny because probably my first expectation was that this was going to be a forced slowdown for most everybody. And I think it's shown me how speed is something that comes from the inside. And so the very fact that people have some space and some different things going on in terms of their routines has caused people to almost react against that and speed up even more, have more of a sense that they're drowning under the loads. And I know some people are now trying to manage families at home and work and everything. So so some of that is real. But whether your circumstances are real or whether you just feel that angst that comes along with speeding up, I think one of the most effective things that we can do, and it's effective both internally and I think it helps us be more productive, is to consciously slow down, slow down our pace and move through the important things that we need to do and discard the unimportant things. So there are all sorts of tactics that we can do. For me, this past week, I've chosen in the afternoons to go outside. What a good idea. One of the <laughs> few safe places in fresh air and walk nine holes of golf. Now, walking nine holes of golf takes me about an hour, hour and a half. It's not a considerable amount of time, but it changes me completely on the inside. And again, it's it's a choice that we make to say, you know what? I don't need this speed. I don't need this frenetic sense of everything going on. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a breath. I'm gonna have a conversation. It's it's a way of saying we're going to get through this, you know, by slowing down. So uh lots of different ways, but you know, we're not out in our cars, we're not running around to meetings. There's time savings somewhere in all of this. 
So take advantage of it and slow down and read a book or listen to something. Just take it a little bit slower. Yeah. And to your point that you made with resisting fear, we have an effect on those around us. So especially if you're in a still in a work setting or a leader of any type, if you're if you're kind of ramping up and maintaining some of that pace, that'll only rub off on others and make them feel the need to do the same. So I think I think this is actually a pretty important call to action. I was talking with Ashley this week a bunch about this aspect of slowing down and ways that's just kind of happened organically for us this past week, especially, and how it's eerily reminiscent of when we had a baby and those first few months of newborn stage where in some ways your whole life routines have been completely tipped upside down and thrown around (laughs) and messed with. And it does feel a bit like chaos and you're lacking sleep and it's a bit scary. And there's a lot of similar emotions in that stage as what's going on around us right now. And yet at the same time, you're kind of forced to slow down and be more present in the moment. And we were saying that in some ways, that period of newborn stage felt like we are never going to get through this. Oh my gosh, we're never going to get through this. And yet it's months and months and you do get through it. And everyone tells you while you're in it, you're going to get through it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, it's so disorienting. All of our routines are, you know, thrown up into the air and coming down all around us. So it's so disorienting. So I think we have to go at it and, you know, you say kind of organically, but I think it's also, that's a reflection of your values that you naturally went to spend more time with Ashley. And I think one of the great ways of slowing down and one of the incredible opportunities of this is to connect more deeply in some relationships. You know, it's strange because we're separated so much, but probably with those that we care the most about, we're probably in closer quarters than ever. Why not use it as an opportunity to reset in the things that are most important to us? So anytime you have a a disorienting thing like this, there are opportunities. And I think our relationships are one of the places of greatest opportunity for growth and health and renewed intimacy of anything in this crisis. We should turn to one another. Yeah, that's great. And that kind of leads to our third point here, which is around reframing what's going on. And I just really hope people listening aren't hearing this as, oh, everything's terrible. So just look at the bright side. You know, it's not, I don't think either of us are intending to say, oh, just look at the bright side. Obviously, there's some very real consequential things going on. And yet, life has always had hardships and, and our perspective and our, I guess our posture is the word I'm looking for. Our posture in it is something that's within our control. And, and so you had this thought around reframing what's going on and maybe some various practical ways to do that. Right. What we've lost to some degree in this crisis is we've lost a sense of control. You know, things are 
happening to us that we don't have any say. Things are shut down. Our clients are making choices and they don't have anything to do with us. So that loss of control is a very unsettling thing. But what we can do is we can reframe some of these new things going on within us in a positive way. So I have more time at home. I can reframe this as a way of, you know what, this is some time for me to do some powerful reflecting because I have that possibility now. Reframe relationships, maybe re-strategize about some things that were just going particular ways. But if we step back for a moment from this and say, what are some different ways that I can look at what's going on with me, whether it's with my business, in my career, with my family, and see that there is an opportunity in this. And even if we can take just one area and say, this one area, I'm going to come out of this better than I was before. That might be worth the whole thing because a lot of the other parts will take care of themselves. Right. Like I'll say personally, this whole virus thing is impacting us in a few ways, but definitely financially is a scary part of it. Definitely in terms of our work situations and this business. And yet I find that because we're scaling back on expenses, because we're scaling back on busyness and doing things, because we are with each other more doing more simple things, you know, sitting on the floor with our daughter and playing a game for a few hours, that has really opened my eyes to the word enough and how, you know, our culture is so built to do more and be more and have more and make more. And, and I just keep thinking about the word enough, enough is I'm okay with enough. Like right now, today, we have enough food. We have enough games to play inside because it's rainy. (laughs) And that's actually enough. And it's just, it's kind of interesting you mentioned this whole positive reframing because I don't think ever in my life have I thought, you know, I've heard this idea before. I don't know that I've ever for myself thought, oh yeah, this this floor and this game and this conversation is enough. (laughs) It's, It's always kind of about more and what's next. Yeah, you know, that is just so incredibly good. And that type of reframing that for you is now being internalized is it it changes everything. It's something that you won't forget. And when we come out of this and we will come out of this, hopefully that's something that you'll bring out of this as a total new way of seeing what you're doing and you will be better for it. So I love that as a, as just a perfect example of really fundamental reframing of what life is about that this kind of adversity can bring to the table. Yeah, and I, I think you captured it in words well. Two of the kind of sub-bullets here are around what's been a positive trend, noticing what's been a positive trend in you and in your family and through this circumstance? And can you turn any of that into a permanent habit? So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, there there are certain things that probably are happening to each one of us that 
we didn't expect when, let me use just a somewhat trite example, but it maybe makes the point. People are using video conferencing more than ever, you know, and I think a lot of people are coming to the conclusion, why haven't I been doing this all along? And so they're thinking, when I come out of this, I want to do this more instead of always getting in a car and going somewhere. Or they're thinking like we're ordering groceries online and having them <laughs> delivered. We've thought about doing that forever, but never had the impetus to push us to do that. That's a small change that I think will become a forever change. It might be something a little bit deeper, like choosing to take a walk outside every day because you're desperate to get some fresh air and go, that's something that I want to keep on doing even when I don't have to do it to survive. So it's, it's something positive that has sprung up that you've needed to do that maybe you go, okay, now after I don't any longer need to do this, I'm going to keep on doing this. This is a life-giving change and I'm going to make it a permanent one. Yeah, that might be something for people to journal. So maybe if this goes on for months, you can go back and see what what you were enjoying or capturing in the moment after it's it's kind of out of your mind. Like you, I, I don't want this to come across as Pollyanna, that these are very real threats and difficulties that we're going through. Uh, and none of this is intended, as, as you said, to just kind of put a positive spin on things. It's probably the most intentional type of suggestions uh, that we could possibly have to say that we're in a choice to choose fear or choose life, to choose good habits or, or to give in to bad habits. And that now intentionality is probably more important than ever because this is real. Absolutely. The next idea here is the idea of touching when we can't touch. <laughs> and hopefully people are practicing the second part of that. But what does this mean? Like dig into this a bit. Yeah, for me, I've realized that relationships are probably the most important thing in this particular crisis. And so I've sought in my own life to kind of reach out more and more. I'm an introverted person by nature, and so I'm not very good at reaching out. And so I've realized that while I'm distanced from people, there's an opportunity to reach out in different ways. And so whereas normally I would only use text for getting through logistics, I've actually been reaching out and saying, you know, how are you doing by way of text? Or I've called people without a reason to call them and had what's called a conversation with them. <laughs> and it's a way of actually touching people when I can't touch them or rely just on face-to-face. -face. And it's created some new kind of fresh ways of connecting, which is what it's all about. So uh, that's kind of one of those positives that for me has come out of this is starting to test and find new ways of connecting personally and emotionally with people. Yeah, that that is true for me as well, that it's not often you do something like send a text just 
just to say hi or just to check in. There's always kind of like a reason you are or a purpose or an agenda to it. And, um, you know, I want to try that more as well right now. Particularly for a lot of guys listening. (laughs) Absolutely. And so that leads to our next one, which is leaning towards hope in a sense versus panic. And this, this gets back to what we said with the media, but there can be a sense of panic and which direction do we choose to lean? Yeah. And again, all of this is saying that intentionality is probably more important than ever in this time. You know, when we're, when we're on autopilot, which is what we are so often during our days where we're going into work and nine to five or eight to five or eight to 10, whatever, we're, we're going kind of nonstop just according to agenda as, as if we're a robot. All of a sudden now, intentionality and choosing things and, and choosing where we allow our emotions to go is more important than ever. So even just the concept of, am I leaning in towards hope? Am I leaning in towards hope? Just repeating that is helpful in pushing against that um, relinquishing to panic that is easier, frankly. Yeah. And I think there's some couple ideas of small ways to do that. One is just to celebrate a small win each day. And we started doing this a little bit this week with small things that just went well or that were a pleasant surprise or a fun moment and just consciously, vocally, physically choosing to celebrate it. I'm picturing right now, I'm kind of laughing because I'm picturing this morning we had the power completely shut out right in the middle of, you know, we had completely reoriented our day to everything that had transpired yesterday. We're getting ready to enter our day and get started and the power completely shuts off out of nowhere. And in the distance, I hear a transformer explode. <laughs> and I, I can remember one time when I, I just happened to catch a squirrel flying off of a transformer <laughs> in our yard. And so I've seen this happen before. I recognize that sound, the boom of, of it exploding. So I'm just thinking we're going to not, we're, we're going to be out of power for a while. And so we, again, you know, I, I said to Ashley, really, like how many times a day do I have to replan my entire life and business? And so we set out to start replanning our day and just as we kind of launch into that, the power all comes back on. So all all in all, it was only about a half hour until it came back on, which is kind of shocking. But I, I said, okay, the power's back on. And I look up at the top of the stairs and Ashley's like doing kind of a silly dance. <laughs> just like, just being silly and like celebrating that. I mean, that's a small win, but that kind of stuff can bring some of that hope in and kind of like set us back on the right trajectory of where we're leaning and where our mindset is. Well, I love that idea of celebrating a small win and and talk about a perfect example of something that you could choose to make permanent, you know, when, (laughs) you know, that that's one of those things. If, if, if uh, you and your family can build the habit of saying, you know what, we're going to start being grateful and we're going to start, celebrating these small wins and you figure out a way of doing that and then you go oh the crisis is over let's keep on doing this so it's a a great example yeah 
That's good. All right. Well, our last idea here is, I think, maybe the, the most powerful one. So I'll let you say it, Tommy, because this is an idea that you had. Well, I think we're in an extraordinary time and the pressures on so many people to try to save their jobs, save their companies, to withstand tremendous financial difficulties. Some people who are locked in and can't get out because of health issues. It gives us a unique opportunity to give generously beyond what we maybe have ever considered. And those don't necessarily need to be at great financial expense. For some people, they have the ability to give generously financially. But, you know, choices to pick up curbside for that restaurant that's really struggling or take flowers to a friend, it's it's to truly kind of get outside of ourselves while we're even locked in this way and to give generously. This is, I think, uh, I think it's going to leave lasting fruit in terms of how people come out of this that will be remembered forever. And I think it's one of the best ways to reframe what's going on. When I thought about it, I thought, you know, I have a certain amount of money every month that I give. And I thought, why not take a chunk of that and use it to get food, do meals for people, even meals for people who don't necessarily need it, just as a way of saying, you know, I just want you to know I care about you and I'm thinking about you. And this is a time that we can go extravagantly in this way. And all of us, almost everybody, regardless of their situations, can do this in some form or another. And this is a way to thrive in the midst of this crisis. So my encouragement would be to uh, reframe what we're going through and say, you know, this is going to be the time when I'm going to be less consumed with myself and my problems and my issues than ever. And I'm going to start caring about other people and giving to other people. And I'm going to give extravagantly and I'm going to take care of people and tip people and, you know, just do all sorts of things like that. There's so many different ways we can do this that would make a profound difference in people's lives that are really struggling. Yeah, that's powerful. I think I am noticing this time creating a sense of unity and community that maybe we were starting to lose sight of in all of our technology and busyness. I think that's the strongest point or idea or perspective on this whole episode that I'm also inspired by. So why don't we leave it there? And um, like we said at the top, we'll play this episode on both of our podcasts. And so some of you, maybe new to one or the other. Some of you may be uh, listeners of both, but we're just grateful for you and hope the best for how you are walking each day through this kind of crazy time. Thanks so much. And Steve, thanks for your kind of openness and honesty and, you know, with all of this, not easy for any of us. Crazy times. All right. We'll see everybody on the next episode. Thanks a lot. Thanks.